Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to the Dominic Enyart Show. If you haven't noticed, I am on a bit of an open theism stint. I've been on one recently and we will be continuing that here today. As we discussed last week, open theism is the Christian doctrine that God exists within time, that he is alive, eternally free, and inexhaustibly creative. Because God is free, the future must be unsettled and unestablished. That is what open theism is, and the big the biggest objection you'll get to the you'll get about that from various Christians, you know, Calvinists and Arminians and, you know, whoever believes that, um, whoever objects to open theism, the biggest objection you'll get from them is, well, God does not exist inside of time, yada, yada, yada. And we looked at the biblical and logical cases, uh, for God existing outside of time from the settled view side. We looked at that last week on uh, on the show last week and you know the logical case as Winston Churchill said to improve is to change to be perfect is to change often and we talked about that on last week's show and the biblical case which is more important if you're if your logic ever contradicts with your interpretation of the Bible your logic is secondary and so I'm not saying to follow the, the Bible blindly without logic and without reason, but if you approach the Bible with the attitude that the Bible comes before your logic, um, <laughs> you will save a lot of time. But so the biblical case, the Bible describes God as a God of constant change and you know, you have the biblical story, which it's just that it's a story with a plot and various characters and the plot progresses throughout the Bible. And we see God's relationship with his people change over the course of the Bible and how God interacts with his people that changes throughout the course of the Bible. Jesus, he became a man, and that was the most dramatic change in the history of the cosmos. The incarnation, wow, I cannot think of a greater change. And, you know, that was a change. Uh, Jesus' physical body changed. And as we saw, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. Um, and by the way, it's funny with a lot of these settled viewers who teach that God cannot change. Uh, they'll be adamantly against you if you say that God can change unless you're not talking about Calvinism or open theism or Arminianism. If you're not talking about any of those things, they're perfectly willing to accept the idea that God changes. For example, I was at a Bible study, uh, a, a Calvinist guy, good friend of mine, strong Christian, sharp guy. He was talking about, um, we, I forget what what the subject of the Bible was on, but someone asked about uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and he was asking what its significance was, and he was a newer Christian, and so I fielded the question. I wasn't, you know, going out of my way trying to teach a class that wasn't mine, uh, but I, I, I said it was like a group discussion, and I said that throughout the course of the Bible— the way that God has interacted with us has changed throughout the entire course of 
the Bible. And so at one point, God's presence dwelt his presence, it dwelt with Israel through the Ark of the Covenant, and it, it changed at one point. It was, you know, God dwelt with them through, you know, he was with Moses in the burning bush, and then at one point he was with Israel, you know, the, the pillar of fire uh, by night, and then the Ark of the Covenant, and it changed, and now uh, God's presence he dwells with us in our spirit. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us now. Um, and that change from him dwelling with us from the ark to now it being in the spirit. And the Calvinists there, they were completely on board with it. They were like, yeah, great explanation, 10 out of 10, perfect answer, let's move on. And it was funny, they took no objection to that, even though I said God changed, you know, 10 times in my explanation, it did not bother them because they were not thinking about their theology of God being unchangeable at the time. And so it is funny how uh, if you say that God is incapable of changing, um, you really have to ignore that when you're reading a lot of the Bible because the entire story of the Bible is how God is changing constantly. Um and, you know, God's, his relationships and relationships are nonstop change. Uh, and, you know, how Jesus became a man, as I was saying, that's one of the greatest changes that you could even possibly think of. Um, and also we see in the Bible that God changes his mind various times. Um, quite directly, the Bible uses the Hebrew word nacham, which means to turn away or to change one's mind or to repent. And uh, last week we looked at several examples of that. And not just does God's word say that about himself, but further that God takes actions, direct actions, to back up those statements of God changing his mind. So God says, I repent that I have changed man, uh, that I have made man. I, I repent of that, and not just, so people will say that's a figure of speech, that he repented, and that it means, they say that God saying, I repent that I have made man, they say that means, I, I do not repent that I made man. That's what they say the figure of speech means. Figures of speech are able to, help, they're there to make things more clear, but those who deny that God can change, they think figures of speech make things 10 times more complicated. But we know that it's not a figure of speech because then God then flooded the world. He took an action to undo his first action of creating man. And so obviously the flood was not a figure of speech. Um, you know, God, he says he will no longer do that which I thought I would do. We see that in the Bible in Jeremiah. Uh, we also last week saw examples of God increasing in the Bible. He increases in wisdom and in his relationships. They grow, even the relationships between, even the member, the three members of the Godhead, even those relationships grow Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. Wow. Wow, that is that is something. Uh, Hebrews 5.8 says, Christ learned obedience by which the things he suffered. And C.S. Lewis really drove that point home in mere Christianity. We read an excerpt from that on 
the show last week, and we'll have that. You know, I'll actually put that quote on today's show summary just because it is such a fun quote. Um, we saw that God is surprised throughout the Bible. I believe it's in Isaiah. He says, you know, I expected good grapes. What more could I have done to get good grapes? But I got bad grapes instead. And a lot of Christians are ashamed of that, which is tragic because God himself is not ashamed of that. But Christians are ashamed of, of God for that, which is really sad. Um, and they think that a lot of Christians, they, they really think that if God exists within time, then we should make fun of him, which is really sad. I, and I'm not being facetious when I say that. A lot of Christians think that if God exists within time, then we should make fun of him. And uh, we went through a lot of this last week in more detail. If you want to check out that show, go to kgov.com, kgov.com, and check out last week's show, Open Theism, The Basics. But we talked about uh, why many Christians, mainly Calvinists, but a lot of Christians in general, they hate the idea of God being outside of time. Uh, but another reason, uh, which was touched on in the Bob Enyart Live broadcast classic yesterday, Calvinists do not trust God with free will. Christians... So many Christians don't trust God to be free. They would rather put him in a box and make him not free. That way they are able to trust him. And, uh, you know, if open theism is true and God is free, Calvinists are scared because Calvinists do not trust the will of God. And I'm not putting words in their mouths. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting words in their mouths. They do not trust God with freedom, because after all, this is their logic, because after all, if God is free and God can change and he can learn, as we see all throughout the Bible, if those things are true, then how do we know that God will not change in his love towards us? How do we know that God won't learn something that he doesn't already know and that whatever he learns, it might make him not like us anymore? How do, how do we know? How can we trust God with freedom? That's their actual argument. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not being facetious. Uh, let's hear this from James White in his debate with Bob and Yart. My friends, as I pointed out in my opening, this directly impacts the gospel because if God's learning, then you do not have any meaningful basis for saying his chesed, his loving kindness, his faithfulness is going to be new every morning. Because he might find out something that would change his perspective. So that's James White, famous, famous, famous Calvinist. Uh, then let's also hear this from Matt Slick in his debate with Will Duffy. In open theism, you can't trust God because he might learn that he doesn't like you anymore. He might learn that he wants to damn everybody even though he said he saved them. That's the God of open theism. He's capricious. You can't trust him. There's no hope in him. He can sin. He can lie. He deceives people. And these are two of the most famous active Calvinists. And it's, it just is so sad. They think if God is inside of time, you cannot trust him and that you should make fun of him. And they, they do make fun of him. And it, it is, it's just sad and it's tragic. 
especially be considering, like, you just heard Matt Slick there. He said you cannot trust God. I, b- I believe it was James White. I wish I had the quote pulled up here. So I, I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but so take this with a grain of salt. But I believe it was James White who said if God is outside of time and he can change, then we are without hope. We are without hope. Hope and, and Matt Slick there. You just heard him say that we are without hope because he could he could turn on us, and it's like, well, what about you know the million the billions of people being sent to hell? What about them? They are the ones without hope under Calvinism. But they say no. If God is inside of time, then we are without hope because we cannot trust God. And so I said they think if God exists within time, then we should make fun of him. I wasn't joking. They think that, hey, you cannot trust God if he is free. You cannot trust God, and that is where false theology leads you. And now I suppose I have to answer this question, how can we trust God if he can change? Which is, it's, it's sad to me that I have to answer this question, because it's a dumb question. It's really, it really is dumb. And these people, James White and Matt Slick and other Calvinists and Arminians, it's annoying when they ask, when they ask these questions because these questions they're they're dumb questions and these people are smart people smart sharp people they're very sharp and I'm thankful for their wisdom in a lot of cases you know there's the famous Calvinist John Piper he has really helped my walk with the Lord in many areas but he said some really dumb things and so they ask how can we trust God if he's inside of time and he's able to change and learn and first of all, they believe that Jesus, his human nature, uh, as compared with his divine nature, they think that his human nature is inside of time and can change, and they trust his human nature. And so they already disagree with their own argument, and w- which is funny, but I will answer their argument. How can we trust God is what they're asking. Well, God, he laid down his life for us, and Jesus believed that that was the greatest act of love possible. In John 15, 13, he said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus believed that was a pretty strong sign of love and commitment, but the Calvinists, the Calvinists, apparently they don't. And I'm putting that word apparently in that sentence because they act like they don't, but really they do. They do understand Uh, that it is the greatest act of love. And they really do know that they can trust God even if he's able to change. You know, I had a Calvinist in debate tell me this one time. He said, if God can change, you cannot trust him. And this Calvinist who I was talking to, um, I'm good friends with the guy, really good guy. We're pretty close. And uh, his his wife too, now they're married, cool family. Uh, At the time he was, uh, he was, I think he was engaged to his now wife at the time when we were having this conversation, but he told me that. And uh, I, I asked him, I said, hey, man, do, do you trust your, your fiance? And I, I gestured towards her. She was part of, of the conversation. And this was when he was still in his honeymoon, like, oh, we're getting married phase. And so he answered really quickly. Yeah, of course I trust her. Of course I trust her. I said, well, would she ever betray you? He said, never, never. I trust her with my life. And I asked, has she laid down her life for you? Uh, well, no. I said, has she ever done anything to hurt you, even a little? 
well, if I'm honest, there was that one thing, and that was kind of a bummer, but nothing big. Is she a fallen human and a sinner? Yeah. Has she sinned against other people? Well, yeah, we're all fallen humans. No one is perfect. And then I asked, well, why is it that you are willing to trust your wife or your fiance at the time who has not committed the greatest act of love, who has a history of hurting you, of hurting others, of sinning, of sinning against God, of being a broken human, you're willing to trust her, which I I think it's good that you trust her, but you're willing to trust her, yet you are not willing to trust God. God laid down his life, his sinless life for us. He is committed to righteousness. He has never been unjust. He has never betrayed anyone. He has not fallen. And you will not trust him with free will, yet you will trust your wife. That's wrong. And, you know, you see, in in terms of track records, God has the best track record in the history of the cosmos. We can trust him because for eternity past, the three members of the Godhead, they lived in eternal harmony, never hurting or betraying one another. God has been sinless for an unfathomable amount of time. But James White believes that is no basis It's no basis. James, you believe that an eternally perfect track record, an eternal sinlessness, that that is not a good enough basis to believe that when you wake up in the morning that God will not have turned away from his righteousness. James, you have to explain why that is not a good basis. Yet you are afraid to give him freedom because if you give him freedom, you can't trust him. And so... That's that's the settled viewers argument. So rather you would rather God have traded away his freedom and bound himself to his own decree. That is what you would rather have God done. You would have rather had him trade away his freedom for his decree. And like I said, I'm not putting words in Calvinists mouths. They say these things verbatim. And they trust God's decrees more than they trust God himself. And that is that is not morally correct, but they do. And, uh, and not just is it morally incorrect, it's also not logically correct. Because how do you know that, <laughs> like, how, that God did not just decree to turn on you and to damn you to hell? Maybe... God decreed in the year 2030, God will turn on us according to his decree. So uh, the idea that God will turn on us if he has free will, it's a bad idea. It's a bad argument. And what's more is that it's a bad argument made in bad faith. And see, there's some arguments settled viewers make in good faith, but that is an argument made in bad faith. And... We know it's made in bad faith because the people making the argument, they already know the answer to their own objection. And, you know, I have to get to this most recent debate between Will Duffy and Chris Date. And I, I really want to do that. <laughs> I've got so much to do. We've got we've been studying the canon of the Bible, and I, I still want to get back to that at some point here in the next uh, few shows. So I, I've got a lot on my plate. Uh, maybe I need to do the Dominic Enyart show more than twice a week. It's a, it's sad only doing this show twice a week. Uh, you guys should write in and let me know if you want to hear more of 
this show. It's hard to make changes like that, but if we get enough of the audience who wants to do that, we'll do it. Um, I also think the the Dominic Enyart show is going to be moving over to video at some point here, which I'm excited for. Uh, that way we can get up on YouTube and be kicked off for making fun of homos. And that's, that's really the end goal. Um, by the way, if you want us to go to video in addition to the radio and podcast, you've got to vote with your dollar on that one because video is much more challenging than radio. We broadcast from KLTT Radio, by the way, in addition to the podcast and at kgov.com. And KLTT Radio, good old classic radio, that's the old faithful, so to speak, of the spoken word. And I got to say, there's something quaint about the radio. You know, you just... I love my podcasts and KGov, of course, but there's something nice about just getting in your car and pushing one button, boom, you got, you got the radio, it's simple, you gotta love it. And, uh, you know, if you want to keep us on the air, on the on the radio, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that as long as you, the listener, decide that we get to stay on air, We because we can't continue without your support. So if you want to help us continue and grow please go to kgov.com and click on the store, make it a donation, purchase a product. But anyways, that's all off topic. Uh, back to the topic, God and time. God is inside of time. I've been making that case logically and biblically today and uh, on my last show. I've talked about the logical arguments against it. There are a few biblical arguments uh, which against it, which... I want to take some time to look at here today on the rest of the show. And these have already been debunked, but I figure I might as well just pile on just for fun. Uh, one thing that we hear all the time is that God is eternal. God is eternal. And if God is eternal, then God is outside of time. Here are two verses that indicate God is eternal, which I agree that God is eternal. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Wow, amen. Revelation 1, 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Wow, that is so cool. Amen to that. Uh, but people will use that and say, hey, look, God, he is eternal. He is outside of time. But uh, <laughs> that's that's not true. It's equivocation. Eternal and outside of time mean two completely different things, right? We as humans, we are eternal, but we are not outside of time. God grants us eternal life. We will live forever for eternity with him. We will live eternally with him but he does not grant us a life outside of time. He does not grant us some form of atemporal life. Eternal, that means forever. And the concept of forever only makes sense if you're inside of time. Because forever, you know, if you get that annoying kid, you know, he's waiting for ice cream. And he'll be like, oh, waiting for ice cream. This is taking forever. That kid, that kid would not say that. If he was outside of time and had already gotten his ice cream, it just it doesn't make any sense. Ironically, also, that one verse from Revelation, who was and is and is to come, uh, that verse, settled viewers love that verse. 
uh, says God was and is and is to come. <laughs> he is not yet, but he is to come. Their own verse proves open theists correct. Their own verse proves open theism correct. And, you know, God is to come. That shows sequence. He will, he, he is to come. And, wow, powerful verses, by the way, even aside from the this debate on God and time, these are just, they're cool verses showing the duration of God. Now, I want to get in, into another verse that settled viewers love. But before I do, I want to tell a pretend story about a made-up dad and if you're a dad, you might have had something like this happen to you. Uh, but this is just a, uh, a pretend story. Uh, let's say that there's some kid. Let's call him Johnny. And Johnny wants ice cream. And his dad says, well, Johnny, Johnny, if you're good all day today, you can have ice cream at the end of the day. And then the kid, Johnny, right before dad gets out the ice cream, Johnny, he hits his sister. And ah, what, a, what a brat, Johnny. He hit his sister. What a bummer. And then the dad says, hey, sorry, dude, you ain't getting ice cream. And then Johnny begs and he pleads, dad, please give me ice cream. Please, please, please. Dad says, nope, I made up my mind. Hit your sister. You're not getting ice cream. And the kid says, dad, please change your mind and give me the ice cream. I want the ice cream. And the dad says, you know, I've made up my mind. I'm not going to change. It's set in stone. I'm not going to give you ice cream. So just drop it. And now, when the dad says that, I mean, there's a question I'm asking to you, the listener. When the dad says that, does, does that mean that the dad is incapable of change? Does it mean that he will never again change his mind on anything for the rest of history? Does it mean he will never learn anything for the rest of history? Does it mean that he is outside of time because only things outside of time don't change? No, it doesn't mean that. It obviously does not mean that. Obviously. And wh what would you have to do if you heard a dad say that to his son? What would you have to do to misunderstand that sentence and think it means any of those things? <laughs> well, you might, have to, you might have to go to seminary to misunderstand that sentence. That might be the only thing possible uh, that you would have to do to misunderstand what that, what that dad was saying. Going to seminary might be the only possible thing to get you to misunderstand that um, either that or become an obnoxious lawyer who everything that <laughs> lawyers consume, they consume woodenly literally. And you know, that that's why people hate lawyers because they act like that means that a person will never change again for the rest of his life. If a lawyer heard that, that's what they would say. That's why people don't like lawyers because they intentionally misinterpret obvious language for their own benefit. And so, okay, we have that, that story. It's been told. We can read this first with the context of that story about the dad and Johnny and the ice cream. So I want to read this verse now. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God here is illustrating his commitment to righteousness. He is not saying that he is incapable of change. He is not saying that he never changes his mind and that he never has changed his mind in the history of the universe or that he never will again change his mind on any issue. 
But of course, we get settled viewers who say, you know, oh, hey, look, 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 look. God said he doesn't change. Therefore, he's outside of time and he never changes no matter what, ever, ever, ever. Regardless of the thousands of Bible verses that say God changed his mind, we can all, we can ignore all of those because here's one verse that says in one specific instance that God is not going to change his, his mind. <laughs> and no, that's not, that's not what this is saying. Remember that God is a person. He is a person. He is living. He is personal, relational, good, and loving. That key point there, he is personal, and a personal God talks in a personable way, in a way that we can relate to. When God is talking about the judgment he will bring and the consistency of his holy nature, we talked about how God has been perfect for eternity past. He has a great track record. He's allowed to talk about that without us trying to fit all of our, our preconceived notions in there and you know this is a good warning to the left especially during pride month hey you know what god he set a standard against pride and he will not change in that so you should repent hey we're out of time may god bless you guys